as Foster shared with us with the start of Advent, which just means the coming, the arrival. And he, and he shared with us this reminder of the Advent of one of Jesus was one that people were waiting for, and that broke into all time and history. It was so significant that even our date is marked by his birth. So when you write the year 2018, it is marked by the Advent of Jesus. History of all time was changed. And yet, Foster, thank you for reminding us of the return of Jesus, that we would wait, that we would remember that he's returning. And in the blink of eye, everything will be changed. So yes, we've experienced his coming, but there is another time and we are waiting for that. And we're not told to wait blindlessly. We're told to watch and to be doing what God has invited us to do. And that is to be a blessing, right? To be a blessing to the world as he was. So um, one way to be a blessing is with chocolate, right? And, uh, and then the good works that God has prepared for us in advance to step into those that he's preparing us for. So I want to encourage you. We have more of the Advent calendars out there in the, in the lobby. I think we've, we've bought like three. We actually bought out Trader Joe's. So you can't get them there. Uh, I know you can get them other places. Royal Oak Trader Joe's, we bought them out. But um, you can get an Advent calendar on the back is um, a calendar of like one sort of refrain of the birth of Jesus and then some activities, actions that we can be a blessing to those hurting and those mourning and that, right? And so this is completely scalable. This is for everyone. You know what this means? When you know what scalable means? It means you can modify the days to fit with what you're going to do. If you're kind of like, oh my gosh, everything involves money, well, modify those and alter them. Wait, I, I do an exercise in the mornings and everything is scalable. Everything's modifiable. So if you're 70 years old or if you're 15, you can modify it. So modify these things that work for your calendar. Modify them to work. Invite your neighbors and your community into it. Um, allow God to move into these. Just, you don't have to follow just what's written. Allow God to breathe upon you and direct you. But you could also, all these things that are on there, um, if you go to our e-blast, um, you can get a link to the calendar and you can update your calendar with all these events if you would like to have them on a digital form that would just go into your calendar. Amanda so graciously did that for us, so thank you, Amanda. So I have them in my, so if you want to see that, in case you don't look at that, you can download that. Today, December the 2nd, which is also Hanukkah, for those of you who are going to be celebrating, but today, December the 2nd, the action was to take a children's book to a children's hospital. Now, you, you, you may want to do that, may not. Harvest and I are going to go to the, to the Troy Children's Hospital at 4 uh, p.m. We bought the book, um, The Dinosaur That Pooped a Planet. <laughs> I don't know if you've read that one. It's very good. It's one of his favorites. And it's very funny. And we're going we're gonna to go up there. I don't know if what they'll let us do. I don't know if we'll get to give it to a kid or not, right? Um, and so, but if you, if you want to do that with some others, we're going to invite our neighbor to go with us. I don't know if they're going to go. And so if you want to go with some other people at four, we're going to go there. But otherwise, you can, you can do it. You don't have to do it today. But may God move you. And, and for those of you who are like, well, that's not, a, you want to do something different, you can, you can even pray as you're going in. God, lead me to the room. God, lead me to someone who's suffering. When you hand in the book, then you can even also pray for their healing, right? So all kinds of ways to modify that. <laughs> As Jesus is inviting you in. So, would you, so if, as there's room, as there's breath, um, step into it. Another caveat with this. Um, there's stuff every day, right? That's a lot, you know, every day. 
you know, so we say at Genesis, we're kind of like D students here. <laughs> um, and and we, that's not to mock us or that. But it's like, hey, man, you, get, you do two, you do three a week? That's amazing. You do one a week? That's amazing. That's more than you would be stepping into. But allow God to breathe upon you, extend his grace, and step into opportunities as, as God leads. Sound good, church? Whether you're single, friend, yeah, it's for everybody. You can grab those. They're in the lobby. You can download that. Sound good? All right. There goes my, that's, that's my advent. All right, so here, here I got a question for you. When you look across your family and your family tree, those who have been, have gone back past generations of that, who, uh, who is the most famous shining star and hero of your family of origin? going back as far as you can remember. Who are the heroes? Were they famous? Were they of nobility? Would you turn to the person next to you and would you share from your family of origin, God willing, if, if you know it, right? For some of us, we don't know. And you can turn and say, you know what? I have no clue my origin, where I've come from, or the people are part of it. But would you turn to them and say, all right, when you, when you think about your family of origin, going back generation to generation to generation, if you know of it, of the cast of characters, is there any of significance that are there? Like, so well, I, I can't speak for my own family of this, but for my wife's family, my, my dad is here to speak of this, you know. In the family line, I don't know if it was a grandfather or great-grandfather, was an inventor. This may be the most significant thing that's said here today. Who invented the machine that stamped upon the M&M candies, the M&M. Is that right, Dad? Top it if you can, which I don't think you can for significance sake. Another one within the family tree of my wife's side, which is the beautiful side, was the pianist to Billie Holiday, the evangelist. Right, Dad? Not Billie Holiday, but... Um, Billy Sunday, right? He lives? It was written by him? Wow. Awesome. All right. So, turn. Who's significant people in your family line, right? Share with someone next to you if there is anyone, that, anyone of interest. The heroes. Who are the heroes celebrated in your family tree? Are there any? some people would you run this around to people mm. okay yeah thank you he did it last
Okay, okay. Can anybody top the Eminem stamper in this room for your history? So, Andrew, um, if you see a hand raised, will you run the mic to the people who raised their hands? There's Harvey right there, and let, and let them share. Here comes Andrew, he's going to come around. And so if you can, and, and sort of, de- you know, you've got to go into full detail bragging about your family, but explain who it is, what they've done, and we'll see who's the most significant family here. Okay, um, on my mother's side, Benjamin Franklin. Whoa! Benjamin Franklin? Yeah. What? <laughs> and on, on my father's side, the infamous James Curley, the mayor of Boston. Wow. All right, Harvey, that's pretty impressive. Who else? We have some hands in there. Andrew, you see the hands? Oh, there's a lot of hands. This, this is a competition, friends. What? Oh, Roxanne's dad was a war hero in Iwo Jima. Wow. Wow. We got Deb. We see some more in the back, hands raised. Oh, Jonathan's what too. We got, okay. Uh, my grandfather in India was actually, uh, he, he took the life of Jesus and translated it into Hindi. Um, so he was a famous author in India, and it was like really classical, like poetic Hindi that even people who speak Hindi can't understand. Uh, <laughs> but he ended up winning a lot of like national awards, which was very rare for a Christian writer to win yeah. uh, national awards in India from a secular government. So wow, uh, not well known here, but in India, that is yeah. awesome. And then Deb, I think Deb was raising her hand. Um, so my. my family history goes back to the 1300s to King Clovis, which is the first Christian king of France. What? Oh, hello, my lady. We got a few hands in the back. I don't know what you say to French royalty. <laughs> my lady. <laughs> oh, Christian French royalty. Uh, both of my grandpas served in World War II, and one was an ace pilot, and the men always wanted to go with him because he always brought them back alive. Wow. And my great-grandma is my hero because she overcame poverty, losing, um, being orphaned, and she got to America because she finally got in contact with her dad and convinced her sister, we're going to America, and that's why I'm here. Awesome. And then there's a, let's hit the one more hand right there. Andrew will. Okay, I'm going to play that card. My dad was a Baptist preacher for 40 years, so he led a lot of people to the Lord. Yeah. That's amazing. All right, so we got stories, right? We got stories. Every family has heroes, some more significant than others, but not only heroes, villains, scoundrels. Black sheep, stories that aren't told generation to generation, stories that are buried, but some are told and kept, right? We, we have them. Some of us feel like we have more scoundrels in our family than heroes, but we all have them. Everyone's family. And they get, they get, they get passed down. Sometimes you think the scoundrels are heroes until you come to understanding, right? <laughs> some generations... Um, they, they welcome and they praise the scoundrels of history who caused hardship in that. 
So when I, when, there's heroes on oh my, but when I, when I think that back to my own family, I'm aware of scoundrels <laughs> that, are, that are, are part of it, right? That are part of the stories. I mean, that's maybe to the greatest depth, but interesting ones. My, my dad has all the release records of any of those who have been in military action in our family. And so, but, and they go back to the Civil War, right? They had these records releasing them from, from war. And on both sides of my family, they both fought for the Confederate side, right? From the Louisiana Infantry, Missouri was a divided, it was a, you know, the divided state, but they, they fought for the Confederate side. Don't know why they fought for the Confederate side. Sometimes it's family allegiance. Sometimes it's just you're poor. And they were families not of any kind of significance, but they, they fought on that side. And as we know of that side, it's a portion of those saying, no, let's keep slavery intact in the United States of America. Let's keep a systems of oppression that are in there. And there's parts of that history that you're kind of like, ah, I wish they had fought on the other side, right? Do you have family members that you know of that line up in that way? On my mom's side, it's a fame, and I, I, used, to, I used to brag a, a, about this. It's kind of a little bit foolish. But uh, so on the one side that my aunt had found were actually related to Frank and Jesse James, right? So they won. They fought for the Confederate side, and they did terrible things under this leader named Cantrell on the Confederate side. And then after the army was done, they did terrible things of robbing and stealing and raping and killing, right? But in a very, very famous way, right? So that we, we all have those, right? Do you have scoundrels in your family? And what does that, what does it do for us? What does it do to know that there's this line of war heroes and, and other people who've walked the faith and stuck themselves out there and nobility and, right? What, what does that do for us? Does it encourage us? Does that stir us on? For some of it does, right? But what are the ones who seem to have the black sheep of our own families? What does that do for us too? Does it sometimes perpetuate a lie that says, oh yeah, you you come from a a lineage that is good for nothing? Or if it's too positive one sign, you come from a lineage that says, you know, you should be in power and you need to to take it. There's something incredibly significant about lineages and genealogies. And so one of my favorite it's exaggerating, that's hyperbole. I really do like the genealogy of Jesus' life, right? It speaks to something profound and powerful. We've talked about it before, but when I look at the birth of Jesus, the genealogy says so much about his life, even though it can be so easily skipped over, it's so easily bypassed. Um, it's hard to get through. Maybe not this one in Matthew because it's relatively short, but if you read the genealogies like in Chronicles and stuff, it goes on for a long and long and long time, but it's significant. It reveals to us about God's purposes for the world, and it reveals for us about, about what he's going to do for his universal plan of salvation. Within the genealogy, it paints this beautiful picture of God's purposes, but it also paints his plan of salvation. Through grace in Jesus for every character within this story. And within this story, it's also so beautiful. It takes these people who would be listed as scoundrels, black sheep, and it pulls them and intertwines them to the greatest lineage ever written about in the history of the world. 
and includes them in to this movement of family towards God's greatest purposes in the world, using the most broken people. That is awesome. And so, let me pause for the second and try to keep you awake as I read the genealogy. All right? Oh, I heard a groan. Oh, she's like, oh, please just hit the high points. And as I butcher this, right? So let's, let's go it. Let's, um, I might even try to put some Hebrew accent in these names, right? How's that? All right, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, it begins the book of Matthew, right? This is the beginning of it. These are the first words when this guy, this uh, disciple of Jesus, was wanting to give us the account of the life of Jesus. This is where he starts. He says, here's the good stuff, folks. Hold on to your britches. Here we go. (laughs) This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one. A descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amnimadab. Amnimadab was the father of Nishan. Nishan was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jerome. Jerome was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, and Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Ammon. Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jekyllin and his, his brothers, born in the time of the exile of Babylon. After the exile, Chekashin was the father of Shetiel. Shetiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abedad. Abedad was the father of Elikim. Elikim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zodok. Zodok was the father of Akim. Akim was the father of Ulud. Ulud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathan. Mathan was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called Messiah. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from Babylonian exile to the Messiah. All right, that's the text, right? Fascinating! Amazing! All right, so, but, but, but again, so it, it gives us all these lineages, mostly genealogies were, were fathers and sons that were being passed down in here, but in this text, of those of you who, who know it and have read it, it includes some really significant key moments. And it includes stories that we know. And so when Matthew lists these, he adds in these characters. No, now this is not, yes, this is true. This is historical. But it's not the complete genealogy. There's generations that are absent. There's people that are missed in there. There's actually more names that if you were going to connect it from Abraham all the way to Jesus that, that weren't listed. But Matthew isn't trying to do that. But it is true. It is honest. Here's this line. Here's this line from Abraham to Jesus. And what's so beautiful about this story 
It's so small when we read it, right? It's small. It's in an insignificant place in the world. And some of these names are significant, but most of them are insignificant. And here's God stepping into the smallness of the world with a grand action of blessing for everyone. Uh, Nikki, who leads up our children's ministry, we talked, she has this friend who um, knows of Jesus, but her ongoing refrain is, I mean, Jesus is all right, but he's just too small. It's just too small. It's too small for the world. It's too small of an idea to, to encapsulate every generation, every nation, every people group, every line, every, everything, right? It, it, that idea is just too small for the world, right? I mean, it's a pretty big idea, right? You, you can get that. You get how someone would say such a thing to know that one that one baby born in one spot at one time would have eternal significance for every man, woman, and child born in every place in every square inch of this world. That's a, that's a big idea. And yet this morning, we had testimony from South Africa of children who right, struggle to, to learn to read and about the movement of Jesus through families being passed on to children of no significance to most of the world to empower them. Stories of Jonathan, his grandfather in India taking ancient texts and stories not even written and writing them for groups of people. A small story continuing to ripple all over the world having Lots of impact, and from him sharing about his father for 40 years, faithfully standing for our people here in the United States, longing to draw hearts and minds back to the greatest story of the world. One where there was a king who was laid at the foundation of everything. That is not us. That is not the United States, the center of history. <laughs> that, as amazing as Benjamin Franklin was, he is not the center of history. And our Declaration of Independence was not at the center of history. The center of all history was Jesus Christ. And Matthew begins to write this and lays this out of saying, of the most significance, this is not a small story. This is a grand story of universal implications. It reveals to us God's universal purposes of the world, his universal mission to the world, that for every family of the earth to be included in the blessing of Jesus. Every family of the earth to be included in the blessing of Jesus. See, uh, and when God took an insignificant family, Abraham, who was nobody, with a barren wife and a nephew with them, and they had nothing, no property, no name, no nothing, and he spoke a promise to him, and he promised saying, I'm going to be your God, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to be with you. And at the end of Genesis 12, it's an incredibly significant, significant passage. It's an incredibly significant thing. I mean, this, our community is even called Genesis. You know, it's the beginning, right? It's this beautiful thing. And at the heart of Genesis is this promise. This promise to Abraham that begins to um, be an answer. Be an answer to the overarching effect of pain 
and brokenness and hardship and death and slaughter and alienation that the world has experienced nearly from the beginning of a God who's stepping in and who's going to step in to save. And he made this promise to Abraham. And he said, hey, through your family line, this is, this is in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And here is his promise. All the families on earth will be blessed through you, or through your seed, right? Through you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. That was a covenant, this was a promise that the Jewish people were waiting for, to where every nation would be blessed through this line of Abraham, a blessing that would touch everything. When Jesus chose disciples and he was teaching them, and he told them this was going to be a world movement, this was going to be a one that there was mission to the world to proclaim good news of God's love for the world. And he said, I want to send you to all nations, to all peoples, to all places and proclaim this good news, to have them immersed in the fullness of God and teach them what I've taught you. They heard it, but they didn't get it. And for 10 years, they didn't move. I mean, they, they, they moved among the Jewish people and the teachings of Jesus were a purely Jewish movement at that time. And it was 10 years after Jesus' resurrection, they finally were like, oh, that's right, we're supposed to move with this. And if you read through the book of Acts, you can continue to see that over a lot of, over a lot of hard work and fighting and over lots of conversations, the church finally understood that this message of Jesus was for everyone. It had global significance. And this genealogy just paints this, this promise of all the nations being blessed, all of them being blessed through the seed of Jesus. And when you read through the genealogy, there's a couple of like really key things. And um, as he said, they don't mention women. This one does. Five of them, to be exact. Right? And it mentions Tamar. And, and she mentions her because her story is found in Genesis 38. It mentions Rahab, who is a foreigner in the city of Jericho, who was pulled into this line. It mentions that Ruth, who was another foreigner, who was pulled into the family line of Jesus. It mentions Bathsheba, and it mentions Mary. Significant players within the story of God. Matthew is not mincing words here. He is being very clear of the global implications of the mission of Jesus. Male, female, foreigner, alien, poor, broken. It's a global message and it's one that still we have for us today. A message of good news of God's salvation to the world. A blessing that all nations would be blessed through Jesus Christ. And how does that message get lived out? Through proclamation. Through opening our mouths and proclaiming God who loves us and the story of his death and the forgiveness of sins. And it's lived out in demonstration through sacrificial love that we lay our lives down for others as Jesus did. That's the mission. Second part, this beautiful genealogy reveals 
The salvation is by God's grace alone. And so in this story, um, are not only just these heroes, I mean, we can read through and you hit these heroes' names, but when you know their story, there's stories of scoundrels, of those who are broken. And, and, and believe me, the ladies are not the scoundrels of the story. Now, they, there's some black sheep of that, right? So, I mean, right, so if we did look at that, if anyone who knew, knows the story of Rahab, this is found in Joshua chapter 2. She was a prostitute in this city, and the spies were coming into it. These were spies that were coming because God told them he was going to give them the land. And when they came in, instead of her shouting and revealing them, she hides them. And she says, when you take the city, because I know your God will spare me. And they do. She hides them. She was a prostitute. Now, now again, when someone steps into a prostitute, I'm not a prostitute. I've never been one. Uh, <laughs> it's a stupid thing. But yeah, it's a but, uh, but for those who have worked with them, I, I know Donna McCauley fairly well. No one chooses that line of work. They didn't get into that line of work by themselves. There's always stories and incidences that push people into that. I even heard last week as John, Jonathan's father, shared about children that are given into that line of work. So we don't know Rahab's story. We know that line of work is not an honorable line of work. But we know the majority of people who find themselves are usually a victim of some kind. But yet, out of that, God reveals to her himself, his plans, what he's doing, pulls her into safety. And not only that, she marries, and from her line comes Jesus. Have you, have you ever heard of a more redemptive story of being delivered from brokenness and God stepping in. Unreal, beautiful. Um, the stories of uh, Tamar, and again, she's not the scoundrel, but the man who bore the children to her was, right? This was the father-in-law who thought she was a prostitute and throws himself upon her and impregnates her. Um, so it's incest that this line comes through because he was unwilling to give the next son to her because he had great fear so he was not a man of, of he missed his moments of honor. And he, and he stepped in and thinking he, she's a prostitute, he takes his own daughter-in-law, ex-daughter-in-law, you can read that story in Genesis 38. And she becomes pregnant and the line moves on that way. Now those aren't the only stories that add like, whoa, what in the world is this Bible and the stories that are through it? I mean, so the story, I mean, when, 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 they, when Matthew is writing this story, he mentions David, and he means Bathsheba, and he calls her Uriah's wife. Yeah, when that's written, right, that's kind of weird. It's like, well, yeah, he had the child through Uriah's wife. That's not a good thing, right? Normally, when we say, hey, yeah, he had a kid, and this is the line that came through this person's wife, it means they were already somebody else's. So, I mean, this was the mo- one, of the most, one of the most infamous Things that, is, that has happened, especially in the line of King David, where he sees a woman he wants, he's king, he can do whatever he wants, and so he takes her, and to cover it up, he sends out her husband, who was a mighty, loyal warrior to David and to the God of Israel, and he sends him into the front lines, and he removes all of his forces from him so he can die. That's, that's, that's that story, right? And through this line comes the line of Jesus. And then again, if you knew the kings of Israel, 
Those who were born into great lineages and those born into that, you know that some of them did all right and others did terribly. But if you look at every family tree like this one, you're going to see stuff like this in every one of our trees. Moments of heroes and of faith, of compassion, generosity, bravery, courage, but also great moments of tre- treachery and sorrow and sin brokenness all of our lines and if you would think right i mean i if i i don't know i i'm like wow gosh if it was jesus and it's god's family and the miraculous messiah being born i don't know maybe it would be in a i don't know cleaner family which wouldn't you think that way i don't know maybe, maybe it's just me but there is no clean family there's none there's not one clean family. There is no line that Jesus could enter into that is not blemished. He is stepping in into a family, but one that has a line to point back to Abraham and to David for these prophecies to be true so that every family can be blessed. But this story of all this brokenness, it it shows us that God's, that the only way of salvation is by God's grace. This family did not merit that Jesus was born from this family. He did not stand up here and say, well, I mean, God chose us. We were the best family, and look what we had done. We had done all these great things, and God chose us to do this. No one, no one can stand and, and based upon anything and say, well, you know, I, I'm here because we're really good people. And God was like, you know what I need? I need some really good people for my movement. You know what I need? I need some great people, so we can get some great people doing great things in the world. He doesn't do that. That's not how he works. Do you know what he says about whom he chooses? Weak ones. The people of no significance. So if you're here and you say you're chosen, (laughs) hello, weak ones. Be welcome to the company of another weak one. Not unsignificant one. But the good news is it's none of our merit. Nothing that we have done merited our inclusion into the greatest family that has ever lived. So you kind of wonder, what, what allowed their names to be written on here? It was God's grace. And it's the same thing that allows your name to be written past Jesus' name in this book of life that he says he has, where every name is listed. Where your name is listed. Yeah, believe me, you know, uh, somehow there's maybe a history of all of our lives and what we have done and all the ridiculous, foolish things that each of us have shame over and foolishness over. But the most significant thing that's said to us about the person of Jesus, yes, those are forgiven, but our names, for those of you who've trusted in the person of Jesus, whose birth and death and resurrection brings global significance, it says this, your name, it's written in the book of life. In the same way that this genealogy has been recorded and written down, your name is written in that book. You're included in the lines of those who have found life. But not just so your name can be written in a book. What's so beautiful is that God is inviting us all, as we know that it's only by God's grace that we're pulled into this story. He is inviting us to live out our days participating in this beautiful, global, universal mission of his. 
to share his good news and to live a life full of good deeds, all based upon his grace upon us, his favor upon us, his merit upon us. And as we step into this Advent season, may we hold onto that beautiful story, breathe in his grace, allow Jesus to continue to animate us with his love, his forgiveness, and pull us into the greatest story ever told, pulling in scoundrels and making divine impact in the world. That's good news. Yes, we've been saved from our sins, but we have saved to join with Jesus who is changing and shaping the world. That's our good news. And he chooses the small and the weak like us all to be a part of that. Let's pray. So, Father, I invite, uh, I speak, uh, would you come, the God who, you don't show favoritism, regardless of our lineage and our family trees, where we've come from and what has happened, you, God, pursue everyone. And there's no corner of this world that you are not pursuing and not a person of this world that you are not pursuing and at work in. And so, God, would you make that known to people who sit in this room but yet still do not know you? And that work of grace, of breathing upon us, saying, you are my kids. I've paid a price for you. Where they're trying to merit it with good deeds. So God, would you free, would you free anyone enslaved to that kind of thinking who thinks that their flaws keep them from you or maybe their good works lead them closer? Would you free us from those lies? And allow us to see you coming to us with all the reality of our lives and taking us by the hand and pulling us into your family. Breathe your Holy Spirit upon us, Father, as you welcome us again today, as you refresh us, as you remind us of the family tree that we are included into and the God who is at work in all history, would you invite us and renew our imaginations to see people differently and to know there is no one too far from you. There is no people group out of bounds. There is no city, state, country, no one to where you are not already actively pursuing them. Would you open our eyes to people that we would join with you in this Advent season of waiting your return, and we pray, God, that people would experience a return of you to their lives in this season. So, God, let it be for those who are bound up in slavery, let them be freed in this season. And, Lord, would you use us weak and insignificant? Would you, would you um, give us eyes and a mouth to speak of a God who loves us and welcomes us? through Jesus Christ, would that big message sing from our lips through this season. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be blessed, friends. Thank you for joining us during this Advent season. Um, Be sure to grab an Advent calendar. May God allow you to step into these activities by his wind of grace moving through you. Have a wonderful Sunday.